Today on the Attorney Career Advice Podcast with Harrison Barnes. I, I think for a lot of people, it is the right thing to do. And I think it's exciting. And I think, I think that having your own business is something that, that some people just want. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks. Today, we're talking about whether or not you should start your own law firm, 10 reasons why you might want to, and 10 reasons why you might not want to. One thing that I found really interesting in this article was that there was a point early in your law firm career when you were considering going out on your own. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that experience? Sure. I was working in a law firm and I was actually in my second law firm. I'd, I'd started off at a law firm named Quinn Emanuel that was, there's a lot of great things about the firm, and, but they were, one of the things was it was so busy uh, that there was no, that it would almost have been impossible to bring in work. All they needed was just tons and tons of work, which is, you know, perfectly fine. But I, I decided I wanted to work at a place where I could bring in work. And I went over to uh, this other firm, and and I found that it was extremely. It was I, that things I didn't like about this firm were even different. At the firm I went to, Dewey Valentine, it was very difficult to actually get work because the firm's billing rates were so high. They just didn't weren't able to really attract a lot of clients in Los Angeles. I decided that I would try to go out and find work, and I knew people that had been starting businesses in Silicon Valley, doing various things. Some of them were actually from high school, and the people that they knew and and they were doing very well. And so they started giving me work to do, which I certainly appreciated. And, and within a short period of time, I, I had more business in terms of the, the, the work that I was doing for other people than I was getting paid. So I knew that if I you know, continued doing what I was doing, working for these clients and billing them and so forth, I could make just as much money, uh, if not more, working in my own law firm. And as the stress of working in this law firm kind of built up and I saw the, the firm was having all sorts of problems and letting partners go and didn't have enough work and it just wasn't a fun place to work, I, it occurred to me that the best thing for me to do for myself would probably to take myself out of this environment and start my own law firm. And mm-hmm. that's how it occurred to me. And prior to doing that, I'd read books about how to start your own law firm and articles and I'd ordered kits and stuff. I don't know, programs about how to do various, start a law firm in various practice areas. And I researched how to, you know, do yellow pages ads and all, all that sort of thing. And, and so that's really, I was much more interested in that. And I didn't like the feeling of being in a law firm and not having control over my own destiny. And, and it, it just wasn't a healthy place. And so for me, I, there was a, a part of me that just felt like I needed to do something much different and that starting a law firm was really the smartest, the smartest thing I could do. And I, I just didn't see any other option. And, and I got to the point where there was just, I just felt so unhappy in a law firm. And because of the situation there that I felt that for me, having my own law firm was really going to be the best way to, to go about things. I see. And in the end, did you actually start your own law firm? Did you leave Dewey Ballantyne and go out on your own? It's a long story, and it's actually a funny story. But so what happened is, I when I, I I quit the law firm, and when I quit, they came to me and they said I quit on a, what had happened. Actually, is I went home uh, for Christmas break to where I was from in Michigan, and and I just felt so stressed while I was gone, and I just I woke up and I decided that I would quit. And when I went back, so I I went back, and whatever the first day was after the new year, like. January 3rd or something. 
I gave notice. And after I gave notice, no one really said anything to me. And I think I gave notice on whatever, Monday or Tuesday, and whatever the first day back was. And I gave two weeks notice. And then on the Thursday before my last day at work, the head of the office came by and he said, if you just walk out of a big law firm like this, everyone's going to think you were fired. And if you're not happy here, you certainly can talk to other firms, but starting your own practice and stuff probably isn't a good idea for someone to do at at this young age. You should at least talk to recruiters. And and if you're unhappy here, you can go work someplace else. And he was, that was actually very good advice. And so what I did is he had a recruiter call me and the recruiter that called me was funny. I actually ended up hiring about six months later to work for me. And he worked for me uh, for the rest of his career until he died about a year and a half ago. But yeah, but the the funny thing was, is so he told me to go talk to recruiters. And so I did. So I, I started talking to recruiters and I, I started watching what they were doing. And and the, the contrast between how happy the recruiters seemed and, and how happy the attorneys seemed was just to me, just didn't it for me, I just felt much more drawn to the recruiting world than I did. Yeah. Uh, and I saw a lot more room for improvement. I just saw the, the legal profession. I saw everyone just so you know, fighting over everything. And in this, it just seemed a lot more, there was just things about it that appealed to me. But in the, I, I spent a couple of months talking to firms and getting job offers and meeting people. But what I did during that time was I was bringing in clients. And the law firm actually started referring people to me. And I started getting calls on my, this Yellow Pages ad that I had. And I started, all these things started coming together. And by the time I ended up leaving the law firm, I had lots of business lined up and I had it, I had, you know, at least a couple of weeks worth of work billing out at a, a decent rate. I don't know what I, hmm. I think I cut my rate down from $400 to $275 or something. I don't remember. Wow. This was a long time ago, but I had plenty of work. And when I sat down my first day of work to actually work, I, instead of doing the work that I had, I actually did recruiting related stuff, even though the recruiting related huh. stuff wasn't paying. And then I did the same thing the next week. And, and then I started, as I, these cases started pushing forward, and then I started giving the cases, I started giving them away. And the thing that happened to me that convinced me that I wanted to do recruiting as opposed to my own practice was I had this case and it was the dean of, of an important dean of a major business school, I guess. He was a business school dean in LA and uh, or in the Los Angeles area. And, and he'd given me a retainer and it, there was a, it was a pretty significant divorce and it would have paid a lot of money. And uh, I called up someone that had listed themselves as a mentor in the state bar for young attorneys and family law. And I, I went to, when I went to give him the client and introduce the client to him, the guy was so afraid that I was going to try to take back giving him this client that he was like insulting me and stuff during the meeting and the the other attorney was and because he was worried that he wanted to look like i didn't know what i was doing and this guy knew what he was doing and stuff and Mm. yeah it was weird and after the uh meeting i stuck around and i was like this these kind of games and stuff that you're playing are just disgusting like i here i am i'm helping you i just gave you a case that's going to be worth hundreds of thousands of dollars to you and you're trying to undermine me and and it's because of people like you that i'm not even sure i want to practice law anymore and that was the last client i had but that's how i stopped practicing law but i I learned a lot in the process because i did start a firm and i did get a lot of clients and i did have people giving me money 
And, and I did learn about it. And I went through the whole process of thinking about starting a firm, leasing office space, taking ads out, bringing in clients. And it just ultimately became something that for, because of my law firm's intervention, I decided I didn't want to do. Wow. Do you need help finding a legal job? We have the perfect solution for you. Harrison Barnes is a legal recruiter with over 20 years of experience. His new coaching program for job-seeking attorneys and law students will revolutionize how you search for a legal job. Visit coaching.oar.com to learn more about this revolutionary new program. Again, visit coaching.oar.com for weekly live legal career coaching sessions with Harrison Barnes. That's a really, that, that's a crazy story. I can't believe that somebody who would list themselves as a mentor would then be so, I don't know, just afraid and be trying to damage you, your reputation in that way. That's strange. They weren't trying to damage my reputation. What they were doing is I brought in this very prominent client to them and that I brought in on my own and convinced to use me. And they ended up, they were concerned that I would try to, you know, change my mind about giving to this client because it represented a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And so they were very insulting to me. And I, and I, yeah, you're right. It was a, a very rude thing to do. But it, it also made me see at that point, certainly recruiters are competitive with each other in different ways. But I, I, I realized that there's just a lot of people. I just, I didn't like that aspect of the, the legal profession. I'd seen a lot of negative competition and that and that, I, I don't know if negative competition is the right word, but a lot, I'd seen a lot of negativity. And I think anytime mm-hmm. you put yourself in a position where there's a lot of people you're, that are competing for a certain size pie and that sort of thing, it can be unpleasant. And I think that that's part of what I experienced. Yeah, that's certainly. Let's talk about some of the reasons, maybe some of the ones that you experienced and some of the ones that you've thought of over the years. But what are some good reasons when an attorney actually should go out on their own? When is it? maybe a safe choice or a wise choice to leave a law firm and do their own practice? The first thing I would say is you have to go through the whole process that I went through. And, and the process that I went through was when you really want something or you're really interested in something, then that's showing that that's important to you. The reasons that uh, like having my own practice didn't really scare me was because I'd had my own businesses since I'd been in high school. I'd started a contracting business and and that had given me a lot of confidence in myself. And if I hadn't had that confidence in myself, I don't know that I would have had the guts to start my own firm. I mean, I knew about marketing and putting myself out there and people trying to take advantage of me and, and all these games. But, but I think you have to really know that if, it's, if it makes sense for you. And I think I, I listed 10 reasons here, and I think we, we could go through all of them. The first one that was the most important to me was... I don't recommend starting your own law firm if you don't have the business. You have to have access to work and you have to have you have to know that you're going to have work coming in. And just starting your own law firm without the work would be insane. The first thing I did was I made sure that I had clients. And so I built up clients before I left the law firm that I knew would follow me. And and they would have and that gave me work. And then I also figured out I figured out online marketing and how to, or not online, but back then there was no online marketing. I figured out how to get an ad in the yellow pages and I studied that and I thought about, you know, what practice areas. And so I put it in, I think, family law and a couple other things. And then I figured out that I should do it in a certain location 
as opposed to doing it just in LA. I did it in a uh, in a larger and a smaller geographic market. And so I, I made all these decisions very consciously, and and I knew, you know, that I couldn't leave unless I had enough work. I don't think you should ever leave a law firm if you don't know where the work you're going to get is coming from. You have to have a plan, and that plan means you should have a law firm website. You should have you should know how to get leads. You should have a, a practice area that makes sense. You should study different practice areas, like which ones are going to bring in business. And I studied all sorts of them. I studied family law. I studied drunk driving law, which is criminal law. I studied, I studied and those two practice areas, by the way, within, I think there was drunk driving and family law I brought in before I even, without even doing any work, I had checks for $20,000 plus people gave me. And that was, this is a long time ago, this is 20 plus years ago. I studied the practice areas. I, you have to have a plan before you do anything. And because if you don't have a plan, it's going to be very difficult for you to make money. But you have to know where the work's coming from. Of course. And now what about like having other attorneys around you? Is it important to have employees or to have people who you can uh, have working for you? Or is it safe enough to really go out with uh, totally independent? I think that the, the best, having partners is a very difficult thing because partnerships almost always don't work and almost they very rarely work. But in most law firms, you have people that in most successful law firms, like take Quinn Emanuel, for example, where I started. When I started at that firm, there were maybe 40 people there. And you had one person that was a big finance guy whose name was Richard Scherzer. And then you had another person that was really good at bringing in business development, bringing in business, and that was Bill Urquhart. And then you had another person that was really good at recruiting, that was portraying the firm as very tough, and that was John Quinn. And then you had other people that had very good business relationships, and that was Irk Dell. You had all these kind of personalities, and so you can have, and then you had other people like who Eric Emanuel, that was really good at writing and, and doing good legal work. So you have Different types of people have different skills, and partnerships can work when there's people that come together with very good skills. And many times people will have different strengths and different weaknesses and come together that way. And my opinion is that, that it, it is very useful for people sometimes to work with other attorneys. Do you know the secrets to getting your dream legal job? We do. And one of the best things you can do is apply to jobs that fly under the radar. Applying to openings with very little competition means you stand a much higher chance of getting hired. But how do you find openings like that? For starters, you're not going to find them on major job boards because these jobs are usually only advertised on companies' websites and in small regional publications. That is why we created Law Crossing, the most comprehensive database of legal jobs in the world. We have a team of people constantly working to find every single legal job out there. Unlike other job boards, which only list jobs that companies pay to post, we include every legal job we can find in order to maximize your chances of finding a job. So what are you waiting for? Head over to www.lawcrossing.com to find your dream legal job today. Is it also, is it necessary to any degree or is it advisable if you don't have a strong network? Let's say you maybe are more of a lone wolf and you tend to be more independent. Can somebody like that make it on their own? Oh, yeah. You can, tons of people can make it on their own. And as a matter of fact, in, in many cases, you might be actually better 
working on your own, just depending on your personality. And some people are going to be better off on their own. It's just, it depends on the person. For me personally, I don't know. Would I be, I don't know. I might be happier working on my own, whereas other people I know would definitely want to have the support of other people. I, I do know that when I left the practice of law, I'd had different people that had contacted me about wanting to start firms with me because they saw some strengths that I had. And, and it could have been, it could have worked out, but it's not something I ultimately chose to do. And so it just depends on the person. If, if you feel like you would give more than your partners or anybody that would want to be your partner, then you have to be willing to abandon the, the quid pro quo and just believe that both are contributing their own thing and then put your head down. And not many people can do that. It's very difficult. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Now, what if you're a specialist in one particular niche? Is that is it a good idea to go on your own if you specialize, or does it make more sense to stay in a law firm? I think certain specialties are actually very conducive to being a solo. I think patent law, real estate, certain types of family law, some types of corporate law. There's all sorts of very niche type of things that attorneys do that there's not a lot of attorneys that do it. And where you can be just as effective working on your own as with other attorneys, I think are very good to have a specialty. So I do think you can, I think the more specialized you are, then I, the more people can seek, seek you out as someone that does a certain type of thing, then that's really good. I know lots of solo practitioners that are, for example, do nothing but family law or not family law, but yeah, family law or do nothing but patent laws is a big one. You know, it just depends on you. But I, I think you're going to have a much, if you have a specialized skill that, that is very hard for people to find in the market, I think you're going to be, that's a very good thing to be a, a solo practitioner. with. Yeah. Okay. That makes perfect sense. Now, what about number four on this list is if you have substantial business experience, it makes more sense to go out on your own. And I definitely understand the reasoning behind that. But what I'm curious about is, do you find that a lot of attorneys have business experience and for the ones that don't how can they develop business skills if they want to go out on their own yeah business experience is tough and not a lot of people have business experience or really understand business and so if you don't understand business then it can be then it's you don't need to necessarily understand it but you need to understand every like the, the big thing that i brought up earlier the big you need to have clients no business can function without clients and so you need to always have clients and then you need to always have systems in place to manage money you have systems in place to to market and so everything needs all these systems and some people can do that and some people can't and but if you have if you've run a business or you, you think about business or you think about ways to improve then that's something you can do but not everybody has that and and, and some people like when, because I had a lot of business experience, I just looked at being a solo practitioner and I understood everything that it would take instinctually, instinctually, but I, many people wouldn't. And many people start solo practices without a plan or any understanding of it. You need to understand all that stuff. Are there specific business resources for attorneys? Does anyone teach how to open a law firm? No, I don't think they do. Business is essentially having something to sell. You have something to sell. And if you have something to sell, you have to figure out how you're going to sell it. And so you have to have a product. And just coming up with a, a random product isn't going to help you. You need to have a, a product 
and then you need to have a you need to have a market for that product. And so lots of people, and then you need to market them. Just being a really good attorney and sitting there isn't going to bring business to you. You need to have a product that people want to buy, and there has to be something special about it. That's the thing is to think of yourself like a product. If you had, how are you going to sell that product? And what is your product? And if you were in the market, would you want to buy that product? That's a big way to think about it. And not everybody can answer that question. But there aren't a lot of resources. But if you're interested in it, you should be reading books about how other people succeeded with their own practice and really searching for all the information you can. No, that makes perfect sense. Moving on to number four, you talk about how if you are branching out in a small town, it's generally a good idea because you're essentially a big fish in a small pond. But what I want to know is, do you ever see attorneys leaving a big city for a small town and then opening, opening, moving essentially to open a law firm? Do you see that often? And is it an advisable move or is there some reason not to do that? If you were to move to a town where you have no connections and open a law firm, what could be the, the repercussions of that? I, I think I think it's a very good point you raise. I, I think that living in a smaller market, like a, whether it's a small town or, or whatever, I think is a very smart thing for uh, attorneys to do in order to have their own practice. I, when I I opened a practice in um, when I was doing, it, I took out an ad in San Marino, California, which is a town next to Pasadena, and mm-hmm. my first clients were all people that looked me up and decided that they wanted to work with me because I was in San Marino. And they lived in San Marino, even though San Marino is, it's not too far from LA. And which was it. people would come to me just because I was in that town and they, they felt a local connection. The other thing is that I, at the, our placement firm at BCG, we received calls from law firms and a regular or solo practitioner sometimes in small towns that want people to come take over their practice, even in, in smaller areas. And they, and many times they have pretty good practices. Being in a small market can be a useful thing. And, and, and so you have to be careful about the kind of market. It's gonna, your income's gonna be limited to some extent. But what a lot of attorneys don't understand is that people that work in large markets, many times don't think being an attorney is a big deal and stuff. But if you work in a lot of smaller markets, the fact that if you're an attorney is, is something that is a big deal to people. It's a big deal to be an attorney in markets like, you know, I don't know what a market would be like in a smaller market compared to Los Angeles. If you say you're an attorney in Los Angeles, no one's really that impressed at all. I don't really care. Or or New York City. But if you say you're an attorney in a market, I don't know, in a smaller market, it's a big deal. You can have, if if there's not a lot of options for people like you, there's not a lot of other attorneys in a smaller market, then it's a very good business strategy because it can really help you. There's just not a lot of other people to do from and work will come to you automatically. Sure. And as you were talking about this, I was thinking about how there's probably a lot of attorneys who live in a small suburb outside of a large city and have been commuting to that city to work in a big law firm for a long time. Mm -hmm. And if someone like that is considering opening their own law firm, they could easily do so just in their local community. So for instance, somebody who's driving into New York City every day to work in a big firm, they live in Warwick, for instance, they can always open a law firm in Warwick and actually have maybe a five minute commute to the office every day. Yeah. And people will, if you have a law firm in a small area and people will come to you and, and they will call you because people want to use a local attorney. That's just how they're, they're wired. And, and that's, it's definitely not too hard. 
Yeah, and I can understand that because when you go to an attorney, you're asking someone to help you with some of your deepest issues, Mm -hmm. whether it be through business or for personal. You do want someone who you can trust. You probably want that face-to-face. I could definitely see how a lot of people, especially people who live in smaller towns, would be looking for a traditional interpersonal relationship with their... That does sound like really good advice. Yeah, people want advocates that are local and all that sort of... Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Is it advisable to have a financial backer? Can you have investors in a law firm like you might with uh, some other types of startup companies? A lot of times people be out of a wealthy family or they may have friends that are wealthy or, or know very powerful people. And so sometimes those people can send you work. A lot of people I know of some you know very wealthy people and their their families are, are, are very wealthy and could, could send them work all day. Where do you think a lot of the work comes from in major law firms? Sometimes if you have a background like that uh, and you're confident those people will give you work if you have your own practice, it's a smart thing to to try to, to work with them if that's possible. Yeah, that makes sense. And if you do have one or a few core clients who support the backbone of your business, then you should have the freedom to grow it if you want to or you can just continue fulfilling those clients and make whatever amount you're comfortable with. Exactly. So building off of that, how many attorneys do you see going out on their own that really have to hustle? Is it common to have to do anything and fight for clients? Or do you see a lot who go out on their own and have an easy time? There's a lot of practice areas that may not be considered that respectable, but we're you can actually do very well. And those might be like representing taxpayers, personal injury, workers' compensation, doing small wills, or just all sorts of practice areas like that. And if you do those types of practice areas, then you may actually be able to do very well. And, and But you have to hustle. You have to talk people into using you and all sorts of... Some practice areas like that can be very profitable, but they're not necessarily something that a lot of people want to do. And they require you to to get work in ways that may not be something that a lot of attorneys would be comfortable doing. Okay. No, that does make a lot of sense. And it is a competitive environment. Even if you are going out into a small town, you're still going to have to compete just to get attention in the first place, compete with other businesses that are, I can definitely see you want, you'd need to have that, you know, competitive fight in you. You have to really want it. You have to want to hustle. Right. In order, and that's true of any entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. any business that you open, you really need to want it in order to succeed. Mm-hmm. Now, what about if you have a hard time just fitting in with other people? Maybe you really do prefer working on your own. Does an attorney like this have a good chance of succeeding if they were to go out on their own? Well, you mean an attorney that hustles or what? So, number eight on the list is talking about how people who maybe don't get along in a group environment. Like some people really are just independent. They work best by themselves. And you, you suggest that people who work best by themselves would do well to go out and start their own law firm. And what I'm curious about is, do they tend to find success? Or is it really, do you need to have a team around you as an attorney? Or can you be a true solo law firm and succeed? I think that's a good question. One of the things that I think when I look at this question is I, I think that there are a lot of people that are not good with groups. Of, some people just, it's much easier for them working on their own and they want to be in control. They don't want to have partners. They don't. And there's certain people that are just like that. And and you may be that kind of person. And I, to some extent, 
I felt like I was. I don't think I am that type of person, but I felt when I was in the wrong environment that that I was. So it just it all depends on the type of environment you're working with and the type of people you're working with. But if you're if you don't feel like you're going to be happy working in a group, and some people are. Some people, for example, they're so unstructured they they don't want to work in an office or they they just. I know a guy that worked for us once, and he was as an attorney, and he. It's actually funny, but. He didn't like, he couldn't work in an office. He just didn't want to work in an office. He was much happier working just home and like in front of his television and working on a variety of things and working when he wanted to work two or three hours a day, he would if he wanted to work. So he wasn't uh, a good fit for a law firm, but he was a good fit for working on his own. And that's what he does now. That's great. And that's good to know that somebody who does want to have more independence, have more freedom, they have that option of starting their own law firm and choosing their own hours and choosing where they want to work. Now, what about if you're in between law firm jobs? Do you recommend people finding clients and starting a website to represent themselves as a solo law firm? Is that going to help in the eyes of a future employer, help them appear to be employed and cover any and get Honestly, like, I don't know that it's always, that's a great idea for people to do. If you want your own law firm, there's nothing wrong with starting your own law firm and you should go ahead and do it. And the the problem that a lot of people make is they, they don't commit to something. So they may not, they may start a law firm, but then may not be committed. Whatever you do, you have to be committed to it. If you want a job, you should commit to finding a job. And you certainly can, anybody that wants to can find a job. I mean, I just think the idea of not being able to find a job doesn't make any sense. But if you want to do your own law firm, now finding the job you want is a, is a different matter, of course. But if you want to have your own law firm, then the best thing you can possibly do is just commit to it 100%. I don't recommend doing it as something to do if you, if you don't want to actually do that in the long term. I don't think that's a good idea at all. Do you want to grow your legal career? A lateral move might be the right choice to get you on track for your career goals. Working with a legal placement firm like BCG Attorney Search can open doors for you and help you live the life you dream of. If you're looking for a new legal job, send us your resume so we can help. Visit www.bcgsearch.com and click on Submit Resume to be paired with one of our legal placement professionals who will work tirelessly on your behalf to get you your dream legal job. Submit your resume to www.bcgsearch.com to get started today. Is there anything else you want to add about or anything else that you want to say to somebody who's considering going out of their own? Is there any last message that you want to leave them before we talk about reasons not to? I, I think for a lot of people, it is the right thing to do. And I think it's exciting. And I think, I think that having your own business is something that, that some people just want. Other people don't. And if having your own business is something that you feel that you need, then it's a good thing. The benefit of there's a lot of benefits to having your own law firm. A lot of them do succeed and do very well. A lot of them don't. But the, the biggest thing I would say to anybody thinking about starting your own law firm is everything that you do is instinctual. If you meet somebody and, and you you like them and you think they're going to be, be friends with them, or then that's instinctual. If you if you gravitate towards a certain profession, that's instinctual. And if you and if you gravitate towards having your own law firm, that's instinctual. All these questions about why you would want to start your own law firm are really, the, the answers are instinctual. Because for most people that have that work in law firms, the last thing in the world they would want would be to have their own 
law firm. They would just, it's not the idea of bringing in business and not working with people and not having an office to go to and so forth just wouldn't appeal to them. But for some people, it would. An example is that someone that's used to working on their own as a freelancer doesn't, it may be different for you know, them working in an office. It's just not an essential thing or someone that you know, is used to, it's just people have different in instincts about things and those are developed over time. Just like your instinctively, you may want to read certain books or you may want to, so it, having your own law firm, I think is really an instinctual thing. I don't, I think that's one of the things that's most important about it to understand. It's not necessarily something where you can answer all these questions. And I know for me, it was instinctual. I just got thrown on a completely different path when I started talking to recruiters. Yeah, and that's actually really fascinating that you were able to identify very strongly that it was the right move for you. And then you ended up moving into recruiting after you had already considered going out on your own as an attorney. So that's also potential for a lot of other people. They may go out on their own and try to start their own law firm. They may realize that they actually just really enjoy entrepreneurship, and then maybe they'll have another business idea that they want to pursue after. If you feel in your heart that you actually want to go out on your own, then there's a probably a very good reason for that, and you should trust your intuition. Now let's talk a little bit about the other side. There are some reasons why you might not want to start your own law firm, and the first reason is that it's really not the same thing as practicing law. There are some elements that overlap. For instance, as a law firm attorney, you have to generate business, you have to bring in clients. But the benefit of the law firm is that all the operational costs are taken care of for you. So on your own, you're going to have to take care of a lot of those. Why don't you share, maybe just from your own personal experience, what recommendations might you have to somebody if they are considering starting a law firm? Like, What can they do to anticipate some of these expenses? What are the, some of the things that they'll have to look out for? Wow. There's so much that goes into to running a law firm that I think people don't necessarily understand. And one of the ways that I, I think is very important for people to think about when they start their own law firm is that part of what, what, what you're paying for when you go to a law firm and what a law firm is offering is all the support that goes in. So it's really the law firm is giving you an umbrella, which is a brand. And then underneath that brand, they're providing offices and they're providing secretaries and they're hiring people to work with you. And they're providing, I don't know, everything that goes along with working in a law firm and then groups of people to bounce ideas off of and so forth. And so a law firm is like a, its own little ecosystem. And if you're, and if you don't have that, just being on your own is much, you're losing all that. And, and that for many people can, can be devastating. You can't, if it's just you have nothing to really hold out, you're not, you're not really, it's very expensive to run a law firm. And a law firm is essentially a, a management umbrella. I know attorneys that have people that have books of business that are $15 million plus they're bringing into the firms and they're happy making $3 million a year out of that. So essentially they're giving away $12 million for all the support that the law firm's providing. And it's very much wow. worth it to them. Yeah, it's very much worth it to them. And because they can be much more effective in the market with all that. You just need to realize that what a law firm is providing you is, is huge. There's just, they're doing the payroll. They're doing the, they're giving the library. They have, you have an office to go to. You have a brand. You have the hiring. There's just so much that goes into it. People that start their own practices, 
a lot of times don't realize how much goes into it. I had an issue just, I don't know, it was just today. And where I got to work this morning and, or actually it was on Monday. And my daughter had been, one, my daughters have been playing at one of my computers and a cord was missing. So it took me, I don't know, 45 minutes to figure out how to get my computer to work. And, and all these sorts of things like law firms take care of, they just do all this stuff. And so I wasn't able to, on, on Monday, because I wasn't able to start up my home computer when I got home. Oh, no. So it's just, so it's all these different things. Like it's just, but the, but a law firm manages your IT. They manage your, they have all these structures and they provide health insurance and all these different things. So th there's just a lot of advantages that a law firm offers. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. Now, for a lot of people who do end up starting their own law firms, they do so because they don't feel like they have a choice. And there can be a number of reasons why that's the case. But in these types of situations, do you, you know, what can happen if you feel like you're forced into it and your heart's not really into it? Oh, wow. Even if you're forced into a law firm, have your own firm and your heart's not in it or? Yeah, exactly. Like maybe you were fired from a law firm and you haven't been able to find another job, but you don't want to give mm -hmm. up the practice of law. Or maybe you have some other issues that just prevent you from really getting work done in a law firm environment. We were talking earlier about how if you really feel this call to go out on your own, it's a good idea to listen to that call. But if, you, if it's not a call and it's more like you, you feel like you don't have a choice, what can happen as a result? And, and what should maybe someone do instead if they're not called to a law firm and they're looking for some other way to stay in the practice of law? I think having your own solo practice is a great idea, but I think you need to, and I think honestly, had I done it and, and committed to it, I, I, I think I would have done you know, very well at it. And I wouldn't have done well because I have any special legal talent or anything like that. I would have done well because I would have looked at it as a business and studied it and, and had fun and gotten the rewards of the business and continued improving business and, and, and made it better and better. And because I think that's fun. I like, I like the idea of making something better and, and working on systems and stuff. But if you feel like you're forced into, in, into going into the, having your own law firm, I don't really see it that way. I see that, I see one of the things that I think most attorneys don't think about, and that's very important, is that having your own law firm is basically like getting, passing the bar and everything, and is, is you get a license, and you get a license basically to charge the public money for providing legal advice. And only people that can do that are the ones with a, you're essentially a law degree and a, and a passing the bar and getting a, admitted to the bar is, a, is a, you get a license from the state to practice law, which is cool. It's a business license. And, and in law firms, the whole idea of being part of a large law firm is a relatively new thing. It didn't exist in the 1950s. Almost everyone was a solo practitioner. And then as law firms developed and got bigger, just like American corporations, then they started, everything changed. But for the, for the most part, most attorneys have always been solo practitioners. So if you have no choice but to become a solo practitioner, there's nothing wrong with that. All you need to do is just work on improving it and becoming a better solo practitioner and think about it from a business. How do you grow a business? And so you study it and you study, you study and you learn and you become a student of it, which I think is pretty fun. Anything you become a student at, you can get better and better at. And I just, and it's just, you don't need to have a lot of, you, you don't need to be part of a big law firm to be a successful attorney. Okay. That's excellent advice. That's really good motivation, I think, for, for people to, to go out on their own. But 
if you are the type of attorney who cares about prestige and is looking for significant clients, what would you recommend? If you are going out on your own, is there any way to attract significant clients or do they pretty much only go to the big firms? The problem with being a solo practitioner is that the biggest clients are going to want to be uh, represented by the biggest names and, and they can afford to do that. Unless you build up a name for yourself and you build up a reputation and, and you do something significant, then the biggest clients are not going to want to use you. There's no, they have no incentive to. They want to use the people that are the best. And so most significant clients are not going to want to use uh, a solo practitioner. Now, that's not to say they won't. But they're not going to unless they feel like you're the absolute best option for them. And they can make that decision in a lot of different ways. They can make the decision based on the fact that they think you'll work harder or they think that, that you're the best or you're the smartest. But they have to really have a way to reach that conclusion. And they're, most of them will reach that, will, would prefer to go with a, name, with a big law firm than they would you. It's just, that's just how it is. Think about it. If you're buying a computer, you have a lot of options. You could order a computer from some you know unknown Chinese manufacturer or you could buy an Apple computer most people will buy an Apple computer just because they're they know what they're going to get I and mean, it's the same thing with the best law firms with the best reputation they feel like they're going to get something much better and it looks better to the other side if there's a negotiation or anything like that as well absolutely and I would even think that if you do care about prestige and you want to be a solo practitioner, probably the best thing you could do is specialize in a very specific niche and become the best in that very small. That way, even large companies, if they need your particular expertise, you'll be at the top of their list. Yeah, I know one woman that, that started a business where as a solo practitioner, where all she does are contracts, a certain type of contract for uh, subscription software companies and that seems to work great for her and so she's got a and, and big companies do use her from all over the world because she's a, a real expert in that but for the most part you need to have something special and unique for if you want large clients to use you and and you have to have a very niche skill that's uh, that people want exactly and that's your unique selling point which is universal right. in business but being an attorney is not mm. really a unique selling point unless you're the only attorney in town. Exactly. So you need to be, you use an example in a different article, you need to be the attorney who specializes in representing manufacturers of disposable lighters that malfunction. Exactly. You know, like that type of thing is like so specific that if you're really good at that, all the big disposable lighter manufacturers and their parent companies would probably come to you if they need to. Yeah, something like that, exactly. So if you're doing contingency work as a solo practitioner, that really sounds like a risky proposition. So is it common for these types of solo practitioners to even exist in the first place? Yeah. You mean that do, so, that do uh, contingency work? Yeah. The majority of them, I, I, I think, from what I've seen, do some contingency work. It's not, it, it, it depends on the, the market they're in. Certainly there's solo practitioners that may do one type of thing. A lot of them, the, from what I've seen, make a significant uh, amount of their money doing contingency work. And, and and that's just been my experience from what I've seen. It's not to say they all do. In most markets, like if you go into the average small market around the country, you'll find that the, the solo practitioners tend to make a lot of their money from doing contingency work. That's not to say that a patent attorney, of course, is making money from contingency work, but the majority of them, I would say more than sure. 50 or 60% of the solo practitioners around the country make the majority of their their income from doing contingency work. And that is very, if you are the type of person who wants more security, 
perhaps being a solo practitioner is not for you unless you're able to guarantee that you get paid up front in more of a probably transactional work. Moving on to the next point, if you're a solo practitioner, you mentioned that your skills might deteriorate. So what can you do to actually stay sharp and grow your skills if you do choose to be a solo practitioner? What are some ways you can stay current on legal trends, for instance? The problem with being a solo practitioner is many times you're not in a position where you're talking to other attorneys all day. Instead, you're and you're not having your work reviewed by other. You're allowed to make careless mistakes and you're allowed to, people aren't, no one's going to get mad at you if you are consistently making typos or if your formatting of documents is off and so forth. And, and over time, the, those habits tend to get worse. And so some people are just naturally inclined to produce a really good work product, but others aren't. And the other thing is there's like a, in every profession, there's some ageism, meaning people will discriminate against people that get older and so forth. And and a lot of that discrimination is not necessarily because of the fact that old people are worse or something, but it's just because a lot of times people will get set in their ways and then they won't, they're not willing to change and adapt. And so this, the same thing applies to solo practitioners to some extent. They're not around people all the time that are pushing them to develop their skills and that actually may hurt them. And so your question, what can you do? The best solo practitioners need to continually, in my opinion, surround themselves with people that are challenging them. And that's really the best way. I don't know of any other way. Yeah, and that makes perfect. It would probably stand to reason you need to look to mentors. You need to have some sort mm -hmm. of support network around you, even if you are practicing on your own. The next point is actually related to that because you talk about how if you're starting a law firm with other people, that union might not last that long. So right. can you talk about that a little bit? I know you mentioned earlier that partnerships don't usually last as long as you want them to, but why is that the case and what can you do to prevent it? Well, one thing I would say is that most partnerships, a big thing, problem with partnerships is in a marriage, for example, two people will raise a child and one person may do one thing and the other person will do another. And, and there's just not a lot in most marriages, I think. It's not that way with all of them, but there's just not a ton of resentment and people seem to get along fairly well and so forth and, and everything works. But in a lot of marriages, it's the exact opposite. Like people will fight about who's doing what and so forth and, and they just won't get along. The problem is that with, with, with the partnerships, some people, there'll be fights about money, there'll be fights about clients, and there's just a, tends to be a lot of resentment, especially in small partnerships. And so people, they just most of the time do not last. Now, is that to say that's always the case? No, of course not. But a good portion of the time, that's exactly what happens. It's just not something that works out a lot. And, and I see things fail much more than, than I see them work out. Now, do you think that part of the reason might also be related to number seven on this list, which is the lack of structure? Do you mm -hmm. think that maybe sometimes partnerships fail because the two partners have different ideas of what the structure is supposed to look like? Yeah, I think so. I think that different people will, will believe diff, different things and in terms of the structure. And the problem with a, with a solo practitioner is that this, a lot of times the solos will, they, they won't really understand the best way to, to manage the, the finances or how to, for the two of them to divide up the work and the money that comes in. And so it's just, there's just so many law firms have the structures they have and operate the way they do. And it tends to work, and it's in 
and they've developed those over trial and error and over many cases decades or and when people tried the solo when solos try it's just it can be very difficult because they don't really know how to do it or when they get together and they have a kind of a, when they're a law firm together and so forth when, when they're people are getting together as a group to have a law firm it cannot work so there's just i just see a lot of problems with it yeah that brings to mind the phrase uh, if you want to go fast go alone but if you want to go far go together so right. if you really want to go the distance there is strength in numbers there is a benefit yeah. to having additional resources and then a division of labor etc exactly kind of building off of this idea of not having enough resources you mentioned that solo practitioners are usually less respected because they are independent. They don't have the strength in numbers that a big law firm. Why do you think that's the case? Is it really just like a, an appearance thing? Like one attorney could never be as strong as 10 or 20, or is there some other stigma associated with being a social solo practitioner? I used to work for a judge and I would see the ways different types of attorneys were treated in the court. And people from lawyers from big firms were tended to get better results and they tended to be more respected. And they also tended to do better work and they and the, they wouldn't get picked on as much by the and it's just you're much better off many times being a with a law firm and, and you can actually get better results than if you're a solo and solos can be picked on by clients they can be picked on by judges by other attorneys and and they're not there's not going to be a lot of people there's not going to be a lot that others can do about it i believe that you know, that you just, you, you, if you're a solo practitioner, you're just not going to get the respect, you're not going to have the power, and you're not going to be as feared by uh, a lot of people. And judges many times re respect people from larger firms, the same thing with clients, and being with a, a group of powerful people gives you a lot of advantages. It's a crappy thing to say, but it's true. It's just the way it works. Yeah, I, I totally understand. And do you think that lack of respect is also part of the reason why it's difficult, sorry, part of the reason why it's difficult to go back to a law firm if you become a solo practitioner? I think the, a lot of the reasons has to do with the training and the perception and the habits and everything that I mentioned earlier too, that the perception is that your legal skills may have deteriorated, that you may be too independent, that you may, just a lot of things along those lines. Hey? I think it's very difficult for solo practitioners to go back for those reasons. I just, I, I don't think, you know, that, that they tend to be, that the law firms tend to be a little bit more suspect of them, if that makes sense. And that they, the people may not value the service that the law firm provides if they've been in a position where they were doing something differently. Of course. And the fact that a lot of people, clients included, don't value the solo practitioner the same way that they do a law firm of course, results in them making less. If you do decide to be a solo practitioner, be prepared to earn less than you might otherwise in a law firm. But what are some things that a solo practitioner can do to increase their revenue? Are there you know, additional types of work that solo practitioners can do? You said earlier that a lot of it is on a contingency basis, but is there anything beyond that you can think of that you would recommend? Yeah, solo practitioners can make a lot of money and there's no it's not that you can't make a lot of money as a solo practitioner. It just depends on the type of work you're doing. And actually, you, in many cases, you can make a lot more money as a solo practitioner than you would make in a law firm. The big thing me is controlling your expenses, like how much you're spending on things is one. But some other things that are, I think, that are really important for a solo practitioner are, are, are doing things like 
in, in terms of your practice area and what type of work you're doing, you can make a lot of money. As I know people that are patent attorneys that make seven into this over a million dollars a year working at home, and you can. It depends if you're doing hourly work. It depends if you're doing work that's contingency related or you're doing work that's flat fee. And it depends on your practice area and it depends on all sorts of things. I think the big thing practitioners in terms of making a lot of money is really having ongoing work. And the big thing that I told you about that when I started my own practice, I was concerned about was making sure that before I did it, I had work. I wanted to make sure I had a lot of work. And so you always need to have a lot of work. If you have a lot of work, then everything else can flow from there because you can increase your rates and you can do all sorts of things. But the work is the most important thing. You need to make sure that you always have a lot of work. And, and then if you have a lot of work that, you know, that the work is as profitable as it possibly can be. And one of the things that I talk about uh, when I'm counseling attorneys about where to go to work and so forth is the largest firms can pay the most money typically because they have all these big clients that are just willing to write checks. If you go to work at some big firms, and if the law firm is sending a bill for $100,000, $200,000, $300,000 a month, the client just writes the checks or sends the wires, doesn't really think to think about it. But in other clients, they have smaller clients and so forth. The clients may be very you know, scared about spending even $10,000 or $5,000. You have to have access to money flowing in, and that works in different ways. If you could have a consumer bankruptcy firm where hundreds of people are writing a check for $1,000 for a bankruptcy per month, and that can be very profitable. But it just depends on the type of firm you have. But you have to, in order to have a profitable business, you have to have people that are lining up to pay you all the time and that are giving you money all the time. And that's the thing I think that most solo practitioners don't think about. They don't position themselves in a way where there's people that are paying them money all the time. And you need to be in a position where that's always happening. Wow. There you have it. Best advice is to make sure you have revenue coming in, make sure you have your expenses covered and your expenses are as low as possible, and to just always be generating business. Get out there and really go after it. Be ready to hustle. Great. Thank you for your time. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks a lot. Yeah.